1: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. You look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven Robbery,
0: homicides, take me Give me all you got! This Give this. me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me.
2: A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard. And joining me for the 72nd, holy shamolish, 72nd minute of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus is the machine, is more machine now than man, twisted and evil, behind filminc.com.au in Australia. It is Mr. Travis Johnson. Welcome back, sir. You
1: say the nicest things. <laughs> it, is, it is great to be
2: back. <laughs> and look... I've I, I, as we do, we check out the minutes. i we you know we talked about this minute and just now, but just before the mics turned on, we watch this minute again, and oh, it is a cracker!
1: It is great, and uh, the
2: tension, and the sound design, the and
1: precision, and the, the imagery. And uh, it's just, it's got the lot. I really enjoy uh, getting into the micro of this film. This it, is such a great experience.
2: It is. Thank you so much for coming back. And so, guys, we're going to watch this 72nd minute. If you're watching on the classic theatrical cut, um, it is exactly one hour and 11 minutes in. And. If you're watching on the 4K edition, you're probably a few seconds in and around. Mm. There's some weird reason that it's not exactly precise. But um, you guys will sort of hear it from what we're going to listen. So Trav and I are going to watch this again together. Then we're going to come back and talk about it to you. Uh, So have a listen.
1: Um, so a lot of this minute keep that nice <coughs> and close keep that nice and close okay yeah. so a lot of this minute is just the classic man obsession with watching professionals work watching <laughs> yeah. guys at the top <laughs> of their game just do their thing because we get you know uh, we spend a lot of time watching Chris Cheherlis drilling the vault yes. uh, which any other filmmaker wouldn't pay that much attention to but man is all about Watching guys who are really good at their jobs doing their jobs, no matter, and it almost doesn't matter what that job
2: is. Doesn't matter.
1: He has an obsession with crime and law enforcement. We know that, but you also see that in um, uh, Last of the Mohicans, okay? Because that's all about watching a professional do <laughs> you know what he does. But yeah. he's a professional tracker and outdoorsman. So, but what's really interesting here is the interaction. Even though. De Niro never sees Pacino, but it's the interaction between Macaulay and Hannah when Hannah sees Macaulay on the infrared camera, which is amazing. Now, at this point, um, Hannah is standing deep in shadow, sorry, Macaulay's standing deep in shadow, but Hannah can see him. Macaulay doesn't know that he's being watched, and that's basically a metaphor for the, 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 the cop and criminal relationship. And okay. the
2: metaphor for the entire cat and mouse yeah. criminal genre. And
1: yeah. So it's like, no, you think you're hidden, I see you. you yes. Know? No matter what you do, I can track your spore, you know. Uh, it's like when D- Diane Benora says, you know, you're looking for the the, the scent of your prey um, in another scene. So we get that. Yes. Um, you know, and that speaks to Hannah's professionalism, what he does. So I, I find that really remarkable.
2: It's... It's also, you know, to go back to what you said, professionals being so good, it's another one of these amazing scenes where to establish the the oral soundscape of this entire scene, you've got Neil walks in. Neil's the first man through the door. He's got a Beretta and a torch and looks down the hallway. There's a dripping fire, um, fire hydrant alarm. Sprinkler. Sprinkler, sprinkler. sorry. Yeah. Fire sp- sprinkler. And it... It's just dripping and we hear the drip and we see the drips on the floor and it's like, okay, that's the only sound that I need to be wary of. Mm. And they sort of lead, he leads Chris down sort of like a supervisor in this scene. And it's just so great because he's there and it's, it, this is the first time I've actually seen him. He peeks his head through the whole time he's been concealed in the van. So, And really he's been concealed from the cops because they haven't seen his face yet. Mm. We now watch him come out of the door. The cops actually make him and he looks around, he's casing the street again, he's looking, he's looking, we're really getting the geography of where we're seeing him from as the audience and where they're seeing him, and he darts into this little crevasse little there. Little alcove kind Out. of thing. And just now, 38 seconds in, and in and, and the most Michael Mann way ever, it's not red, um, infrared it's, it's blue it's blue infrared, infrared, infrared. we are in michael Mann <laughs> country <laughs> and we do not have anything that is red or green it's not the predator look here it is just this stunning
1: cold blue kind of digital recreation of of uh, macaulay's face on a monitor and we're looking over pacino's left shoulder as pacino ha- as hannah yeah like Sees Macaulay for the first time, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the, uh, is.
2: so they've they've caught a glimpse of him, but in the last time they checked him out, it was from their perch above the restaurant where Neil and his team were. That's right. He comes out and he's you know Hannah as he does you know does says a great line. He's like oh this is, what is it some kind of convention? But at that stage they hadn't made a beat on him. Yeah. They do not know who this guy is. They know nothing about him. But but Hannah knows that he's important. So in this scene. Here, like Neil McCauley's the most important guy in this crew because they've clearly now they haven't he hasn't had to articulate yet that he knows who Neil is, but he knows now because yeah. Michael and Chris are relative small timers and and obviously Trey is like a first timer, but Neil is the guy, the guy, the, the man, architect, yes. the architect here, and so it's so great. There's such there's this you know we're we're thir- about thirty eight seconds into this minute, but even in just the. Pre- we we don't even yet um, get a front-on shot. I don't think. I'm just going to play it back. Oh yes, we get a first about 19 seconds in the delightful, the, the delightfully expressive face of Wes Studi as Casal sitting next to him. Got these. I
1: love Wes Studi oh as an God. actor so much, and I, I want to say just quickly, like this is a remarkable film in that it's cast a, a Native American actor. Like an indigenous American actor in a role which is not specifically indigenous, which is so goddamn rare. And it's
2: 1995. Like it's 2018. He's got. Michael T Williamson mm. as Drucker a big african-american cop in you know height and crazy la is like a lead detective is pretty much his number two guy like mm. these he alternates like three number two guys poor um, Jerry Schwartz is, uh as is, uh, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry Jerry Trimble as Schwartz in the back um, is is sort of the the loner outsider just that like he's last, just there he's just there. there not doing too much but Bosco in Ted Levine who's sort yeah. of out of focus but man he's got the Great walrus mustache, got such expressive features, strong brow, and he's like let he's letting that man baldness go out. You've got Wes Judy here whose face I mean, from villain characters Calm out of stone. Yeah. He's incredible. It just he just has an intensity in his eyes and in in the structure of his face that you're just like, My God, you're unbelievable. Do you know
1: much about him, about his background? No, I don't. Um, I read his Wikipedia biography years ago, and then when I reread it once, it, a lot of it had been redacted. So I'm going by memory here, and some of this uh, might be inaccurate, and if it is, I apologize. <laughs> but Vietnam veteran, Wow. I uh, think it was 101st Airborne, gets back from Nam. gets involved in the American Indian Movement, so in the um, uh, Native American Rights Movement. Yes. I'm pretty sure he was at the siege at Wounded Knee. Uh, he's a serious dude. Um, that is my understanding. Now, I haven't been able to find any further info on that since his his Wikipedia page got edited. <laughs> but I remember reading this and just going, oh my God, this guy's <laughs> been around the block. And you get a lot of uh, Native American actors who come from the activist background. Uh, Russell Means. Russell Means is a big one, who's also in uh, uh, Last of the Most oh, yep. Yeah. who died last year. Yeah, I not to too say? long ago, yeah. Real shame. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of time for Wiz duty. And people forget he's also a, a gifted comedian. Because if you've ever seen Mystery Men. Yes. Where he turns up as oh. the Sphinx. And <laughs> he's so go- Oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And uh, of course, he was in Avatar.
2: Avatar as well, yeah. yeah he's um, an Avatar, and and you know the, the his big run in uh, in the nineties was you know in the best picture of Dances with Wolves, he runs straight into the last of the Mohicans, and then does this. Yeah.
1: And Geronimo's around that time Geronimo's as around well, that time. Um, which was by what's his name? Did the Warriors? Uh, why am I blanking? This is embarrassing. We, can, we cannot we all that. That's cheating. Walter no. Hill. Walter, <laughs> Walter Hill. Hill. So he played Geronimo for Walter Hill in an underrated Western classic. I just wanted to go on a sidebar and gush about Wes Studi because I think he's awesome.
2: And in any minute that we can, I will allow any kind of uh, gushing about Wes Studi because he's just incredible. But you've got this great scene and there's, and Vincent here, there's something like satisfying, satisfied mm. about his face. He's curious. Yes. He's very open in this scene, just looking. He's fully engaged. Yeah. Yeah. And its I imagine it's like, uh, you might have it. I know my wife teases me about the faces I pull if I'm really engaged in something. Like, I'm just so engaged. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's like, hey. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, sorry. Because
1: you lose all self-awareness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're so in the moment and, and engaging with the work or the art or the, the, the project or the object. Yeah. That, you know, you, you're no longer wearing a mask and you are just... Boom, you're right in there. Yeah, I've recently... Which can be embarrassing.
2: Recently at the Sydney Film Festival, Garth was teasing me he saw an amazing film by Bart Layton called American Animals and mm. I was riding every tense moment of this really engaging film and he was like, I've never seen you lean... You nearly fell off your chair. You were leaning so far forward in you seat." And I was like, it was a freaking exciting movie, man. I was all about it. That is but a...
1: I, that's a great film. But, um, I, but I was... Conversely, I was... Uh, when I saw Ready Player One with Anthony O'Connor, he was yeah. next to me and he was like,
2: I, I could hear your teeth grinding through the entire film. <laughs>
1: so there, there, there's a, there's another end
2: to that. There is another. there's are a, fl- a spectrum. In the words of Heat, that's a flip side to that coin, <laughs> which uh, which which is grinding teeth or, or sighing repeatedly yeah. or shaking one's head. Mm. Like, Settling the shoulders. Oh,
1: oh God.
2: <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. Which we don't do in Heat because it's an incredible film. No, you never do it in the heat but it's he is he is enthralled right now he's like he's so waiting to see what happens out that door he's completely open to it that
1: cut between the door opening on the monitor and our sort of third person uh, angle on Macaulay coming out of the door that that's just a really good cut <laughs> it's just on a technical level I really there, like that edit there's <coughs>
2: excuse me <coughs> this scene um, for the muted activity mm. has amazing cuts like as in just to demonstrate proficiency of you know um Michael Cerrito on the on the pole Tom Sizemore mm. Kilmer breaking the lock with the bolt like that he punches through everything here is so beautifully and the movement and the, between the different geography of the different uh, parts of the scene is so uh, well, on point as a director
1: a man loves to show you things that other people would cut away from okay? yeah, because Like, narratively, almost nothing that happens in this scene, apart from, well, this minute, apart from Hannah seeing Macaulay on the monitor. Yes. None of it's important to the action of the film, the the narrative drive, like what it's doing in terms of story. It's incredibly important in terms of articulating man's voice as a director, because as I said, it goes to his concerns about showing you the work and how difficult this is like these guys aren't thugs okay? no the criminals that we're watching they are I mean they're violent they're capable of murder we've seen that but they are professionals and he really goes out of his way to get that across and the way you do that is by showing the minutiae of the operation
2: and also the the minutiae conversely for the cops of the mm. operation is that everything is staged the, the snare is set if you like and they have to and it's literally a mental game yeah. of Will you break and screw up this track? It's
1: chicken, isn't it? It is is chicken. chicken.
2: And what a better way to say that this chicken is that literally it's like, it's chicken that at the moment, for this split second, Neil McCauley doesn't know that he's playing.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Because, oh man, I wish I was in, is it the next minute? The next, the next, next the very next minute. Holy crap.
2: Holy crap. Indeed. So we go here. And I'm just going to unmute the telly. I don't usually do this while recording, but if it bleeds in, I'm sorry. But just to hear this line. The line from Casals as Wes Studi's character. There he is. Like, he's in charge of the infrared camera in this setup, and I just adore that line. There he is. Really whisper. They are in the moment right now. There's no mucking around. Oh, Here we funny. are.
1: I want to go back to the, the dripping uh, sprinkler for a second. I don't mean rewind. I mean, I just want to talk about it. Uh, there's a lot of water imagery in this film. And that... Uh, yeah. This is part of it. And even, you know, the, the final song we hear, which is uh, God... God who, moving out the, the, the face of the waters. waters. Okay, what does that mean to you? Why why is this, Why is Why is there this obsession with water?
2: I think with man, and this is something that I've sort of articulated more in an intellectual capacity with a thesis that I did, but I think man's obsessed with the sublime. And what sublime philosophically means is like, it usually relates to things in nature. They talk about a volcano being sublime and about like sublimely beautiful, which means that it has such a lure to you but it will kill you instantly. Mm. And I think in a lot of man's work, water, especially staring out to the ocean, it's so vast, it's so um, intimidating, it's so beautiful, but it will kill you. Mm. And I think that that, that that the way that man manifests that for me is like, these guys are on a line. You know, we see Wayne Grow as a character in the film who kind of operates outside of morality. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the great exception to this rule. Like, there seems to be... And even Vanceant to an extent with, like, white-collar lack of morality on another side. But I think that these guys, to be where they are in the pocket of, like, uber-professionals on either side of their line, they are just deftly on this line that can land them into legitimacy or land them onto the opposite side that they want to be in. Yeah. And so I think it's that It's like treading that line. And I think Pacino has got that, especially with that manic energy as Vincent Hanna, there's a line that he... Totally could cross, but never wants to. Well, the film punishes
1: people who cross the line. The film punishes people who don't respect the sublime, like yes. Wayne Grove, like Victor's yeah. character, yeah. and ultimately Macaulay. Macaulay. Ultimately, Macaulay gets punished because he steps outside of his relationship with the Malu in which he inhabits. Yes. <coughs> in which he inhabits? That's a terrible sentence. Which he <laughs> inhabits. Um Self-editing, self-editing. Uh, so yeah, I guess that that's a that's a really interesting thematic take. I like that. Yeah, that's,
2: cool. I, 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 that's what I'm finding in some of his other works, and I think what it's it's really funny when you like in Heat, it's there now. It's and it's it, it, it's sort of it's almost like Heat was a hypothesis um, and what sort of helps to validate it is something like Mamie Weiss because then you've got the true dichotomy between like a a Ricardo Tubbs played by Jamie Foxx and then a Sonny Sonny Crockett played by uh, Colin Farrell is that you know they're particularly they're in an apartment they're about to get set up with this you know international drug ring um, and it's this perfect time of ever to shoot Miami. It was around the time that there was a hurricane Mm. and the storm is out there on the water. And instead of this beautiful picturesque, you know, flamingo Miami vice that was seen in the past, it's turbulent Miami. And so Colin Farrell's looking out to this ocean that's nothing but turbulence and and he's being lured out in that moment. He's being lured out to the ocean. And for a split second, the camera lures out and then he snaps back to the conversation. And so I feel like, there's these moments, and then even when he goes out with you know Isabella Gong Li's character to Cuba, you see him streaming in a go- fast boat on yeah. this boundless ocean. So it's like it's like him actually taking the plunge into the sublime, even though it's probably going to lead him or her or both of them to death. Um, so I think that that's where I like find those thematic connections, and I see it particularly with Neil. Like Neil is Neil knows there's a line and, mm. and, and his discipline is keeping him just on that edge with that glass in between but as you said Trav he makes the leap um, in this movie you and should
1: and uh, you should come scuba diving one day <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll teach you about the sublime <laughs> but no I'm, I'm serious <laughs> like, It's really good personal anecdote um, and talking about the water imagery and the, the, this idea of the sublime which I am gonna be reading up on tonight <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a deep dive but uh, early in my scuba diving career I went on a pre-dawn dive um, wow. so it, it's dark and this is in Fremantle and WA which can be a bit sharky yeah, so then diving when the sun isn't up is
2: a bit fraught. I'd um, say it's terrifying but yeah, yeah fraught Because isn't. you
1: can't see like you can, you've got a torch, you can see stuff. but um, my instructor took me on this dive it was about half a dozen of us and I got to see the sunrise from underwater.
2: Oh my God.
1: So you just see the, the sunlight start lancing down from about we're oh, about eight meters down. Um, and that was that's as close to a religious experience as I've ever had. Michael Mann, do a scuba diamond movie. <laughs> and, and I want, you know, instead of having your, your isolated uh, existential professional hero staring out over the ocean, have him staring up through, through the, the ocean, ocean as the sun rises. Do that for me. That'd They're, be great. Okay? You now,
2: if Michael Mann ever heard that, that would mean he's listening to this podcast, yeah. which would make my heart skip a beat.
1: It's not impossible. You got a mention on uh, Birth Movies Death this week.
2: I did. That was pretty cool. It was very cool. Mm. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. So thank you, Cam Williams, who has actually been a guest on the show, mentioned and talked about this show. So thank you for that. But I was very, I, I was. Pretty flummoxed, and uh, and almost did a backflip out of my uh, commuting to work train seat (laughs) as I was reading that. So that was very cool. I got a
1: a very very uh, strong sort of thrill of 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 joy and recognition. (laughs) Ah, great!
2: Yes, thank you, thank you, because you know this show um, is full of uh, 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 male and female. Crazy professionals who wish they were existential heroes, but we in, in Michael Mann movies. <laughs> uh, and instead, we sit here and we do this. But, but I, I think, yeah, the, the water, the water motif in this particular scene, like I think, mm. is super strong in the amazing silhouette scene where he, uh, Michael Mann, re, uh, recreates an Alex Colville painting. Yes, uh, that is as strong as it gets because, especially, that beautiful um, side profile look of his face as he's looking out mm. to the ocean. The water scene in here is just, it, it's really evident in like, um, I'm trying to think of some great ones. Is uh, Robert Rodriguez's Sin City does it great when they're uh, planning, you know, we need this. And yeah. Marv's talking about all the guns and stuff that he's going to use or whatever. And he's like, And my mitts. And my mitts. And like, and you see little flashes to stuff. Edgar Wright loves like little jumpy cuts of mm. like, Cueing a sound and then showing something else instead, or um, you know, hot fuzz does it the best. As equipment is being compiled, oh, the,
1: and the car doors slamming, car door, yeah, and the useless sound. But what's interesting here is uh, Macaulay recognizes that the, the sound of order is a potential danger, which feeds into your theory about the sublime, the mm-hmm. idea that it can destroy you. So as as a symbolic, definitely symbol, symbolic symbol. Another <laughs> great <laughs> sentence today from the <laughs> Trab. Um, it works really well, oh, you know? okay. and it's really subtle. It's you know like you could not notice that. Having watched the no. film a hundred times.
2: And, and and also that just even being aware of danger as a sound and water and just anything. It's like, it's going, what is danger in this situation? Mm, in in this, this context. In this context of where we are. And right now, that drip is the only inorganic, or oh, sorry, organic, but also inorganic because mm. it's coming out of something artificial, sound that I need to... Understand yeah. in this. Environment. I need to get a
1: beat on that and figure out what it where is. Where it is?
2: Okay, I know where it is. That's a potential danger. Fine. He walks outside in dead silence, and beautiful Elliot Goldenthal's score yep. is just ringing and ratcheting up each micro, you know, pulse and, of and tension. And
1: we're suddenly seeing it from the actual source of danger that he is completely unaware of. Yes. It's beautiful.
2: And it is just, you know, um, when when I when I'm compiling this list and I'm revisiting this, you know, I I call it, I call it like um, my sort of flux of 20 or so minutes, a roving Mm. 20 minutes of this movie that I'm watching to prepare. Um, When I saw this scene, which leads into the amazing reveal in the next scene, um, it's just, it's like a, it's one of those moments where it's a tragedy that I can't blow it out into greater than the minute, but in the words of Macaulay, that's, the discipline we're right here in this minute but it's just so beautiful you get to see his face and this is literally they are pretty much staring at each other face to face on almost the same eye line if you like face to face across the street and they do not know or one of them doesn't know that they're playing a game of chicken and they're there
1: what I, one thing i really like about heat narratively is it really does stick to its own defined rules like it, it doesn't do anything like there's not a traitor in the ranks it doesn't no. try and cheat you it doesn't try and do a sudden reveal it doesn't try and do a big twist you know it's spoiler free like if you could tell some oh and at the end fucking hannah kills macaulay and that hasn't ruined the film at all
2: no and and there's a modern movie like so let's talk about like a heist movie that came out recently that's causing some controversy it's like oceans 8 hmm. um comparing oceans 11 to oceans um oceans and, and oceans 8 for a second and heat I love that Heat does that because the rules of these crews, like Hannah, doesn't have a crew that's feeding information to McCauley that's causing some bullshit drama, mm. like unnecessary drama. Nor does his crew, you know, whatever. There's people trying to cut in yeah. to the crews it from channels that they see weaknesses in, but it's not, it's it's not. Uh, It doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel like it's trying to hyper, you know, uh, hyperemphasize that drama.
1: There's a version of this story
2: where, say, um, Chris Schaeherlis gets flipped because he's in debt. You know what I mean? And it's like, we are. And that's in. I I mean, we could do some IMDBing right now and find that story (laughs) many times.
1: Yeah. And I'm really happy that the film doesn't do that. I think that would be a, a
2: real disservice. And I think that you look at something like Ocean's Eleven and the great thing about Oceans Eleven is that you've got the awesome um, Terry Benedict character um, uh, played by Oh my god I've just got Andy Garcia Andy Garcia, the amazing Andy Garcia. I was just watching Hoodlum yesterday oh, and he plays Lucky Luciano in that. He's so Jeez. fantastic. He's such a fantastic actor. And he's a great villain because he's an obsessive, he's one he's almost like a manny professional. He's like mm. hyper, everything is, is to a T. Um and then you flip it to Oceans 8 and the difference is is that there's no real villain at the Met. Guy. No, and, no, And But what I like and deeply respect is that people go, oh, there wasn't a lot of stakes, or there wasn't. And I'm like, no, because the Met was totally unawares, they yeah. were playing a different game. For sure. They for were playing sure. a completely different game. There wasn't there wasn't something so I like when movies ad, ad, ad inhabit their own rules. They're not going fi- to like if they've been planning it for five years and they don't really have an adversary yeah. then of the gonna cali- just then they're going to walk through yeah. and it should be the walkthrough thing.
1: In a weird way in Ocean's 8 the enemy is the culture and what the Met represents Yeah, kind of really <laughs> performative femininity this <laughs> idea of you know woman as, as, as clothes horse and model and, and public performance and, and that's pa- what they're fighting against.
2: And, and they're fighting against all of those archetypes that each of those people have fallen into they're fighting against all of their destinies like i i I, i'm prescribed to go get a real corporate job if i'm a a young japanese woman who's a skater i'm prescribed to get married if i'm an indian woman who's a jeweler i'm prescribed as an actress to just shut up and wear the clothes and the jewelry and do this if i'm an aging fashion icon i have to keep up to keep up the pace otherwise i'm out you know there's all those I, i think that's a great take but movies when they have their established rules and then follow them even though and also like, once you build the right rules. Yes. It's a really great. Because you're like, oh, shit, This train, these trains are going to collide. There's mm. something that's going to happen. And that's how suspense works in a weird
1: way. Because it's not, you know, the obvious suspense is, you know, Hitchcock said you show a bomb under the table. You know? Yes. And you're aware of it, the audience isn't. But also, if you establish the rules of your narrative and then. When you disrupt those rules, the audience can sense, like they, uh, you know, a a canny audience will understand that. Yes. And they will get set up like something's gone wrong. And if you pay that off correctly, that's when it works. And if you've just broken the rules because you couldn't figure out a way to write your way out of a situation, well, you've you've screwed up. And it's bad writing. But good writing is you establish the rules and you break them in order to set up a payoff, not to get yourself out of a corner.
2: No. And the great rule that gets broken later for us is that these lads have, you know, with the, tom seismores hold it we've left the loose end mm. and they dump you know what we're seeing here in the middle of a um a, a, a heist a sting got you know a, a sting for a heist going wrong and later on Wayne Grow is the fact that Wayne Grow's out there and leaving the loose end with Vance Ant means yeah. that there's a, a way to cut in and the cut in comes in a stupid anonymous call on the middle of a day um after they've already been dumped and they've yeah. they, they've got no they haven't got a leg to stand on they don't know where these guys are, mm.
1: but because the rules have been established it works it's not yes. just and then suddenly you know it's no. not it's not Deus ex ex machina <laughs> no. it is well and truly established um, in the narrative how this world has been set up for us so it, it works a treat
2: and back to professionals here at the forty fourth second I love that just the sound design of this oh, screaming God. drill going through glass and metal and.
1: Oh. And what's great is it, it plays with your expectations because you're thinking burglary,
2: sneaky. We gotta, mm. you know, <laughs>
1: tiptoe in, and these guys are just like, Wah! yeah, yeah,
2: like we're in the dead of night. Yeah. We're 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 set up. We've killed the alarms. We yeah. know that we're allowed to, you know, moderately going heavy. And I, you know, the line that comes back to me a couple of times is go to re- any recent Highline burglaries that have mystified us uh, yeah. in the original sort of investigation. But it's such a, it's um. It's also him manipulating us so beautifully here is because it goes from this goddamn wonderful tension being drawn out by uh, Elliot Goldenthal and this, you know, infrared face off playing chicken when someone else doesn't know they're playing chicken with you. And then I actually think that might be a good sidewalk game to play in Sydney um, just for friends, play chicken with people who don't know they're playing chicken with you. Uh, that could hopefully be a, a, something we could do after the podcast. But. Here it goes bang to this really grating sound, and mm. you're like, "Holy shit!" Okay, no, it's just it's yeah. it's just a drill. Yeah, it's and 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 this is a very thief moment, you know. Um, oh, is it ever? It, yeah. yeah, like you know, uh, down to this. Th- quickly cuts back to our third person shot um, of uh, De Niro there in his little crevice, and it's a little bit more defined. you get, the, you get sweat beating off of uh, Christian Hillis's face. Um, he's wearing the C three glasses, and you know, this mm. is lumbering on with a big, heavy piece of machinery. This is Thief 101.
1: Man, this is also Val Kilmer at his finest. Oh. This is like
2: peak Kilmer before yeah.
1: he went off the rails and then kind of came back okay. and then cancer. and then uh,
2: Yes. Uh, All those things. Poor guy. And poor guy for his later life, but yeah. um, but he's such a fine actor. Mm. Such a good actor. Done some amazing roles. And like, I mean, if you can have in your same career Jim Morrison, Christian Hales, Batman... And then Gay Perry, I mm. think you've got a and Doc Holliday. And Doc Holliday, oh my gosh, I'm your Huckleberry. What a <laughs> great, what a great era. Yeah, that was you know this peak is Val, peak Val, loving it. And so he's here, and he's just you watching this. You know, you're watching this water bead off of this thing. It's all very technical, multiple drill points. They've clearly got it all staged out, and he's just taking his time to get there. And then the final frame the camera starts to squeeze in on Vincent, being totally open to this scene. Mm. We're going to snatch these guys. The minute that Chris Chahalas walks back out that door with anything, these guys are popped. And then... Next minute. The next minute. (laughs) (laughs) Then we get into the next minute. Oh, man. Oh, what a film.
1: It, It never, never fails to fascinate me.
2: No, it doesn't for me either, mate. And to be honest, the more times that I... Am now diving into new minutes, and and I and I hope that you guys are having the same listening experience because I certainly do. When I'm doing it, is the more that I go back and talk to different people with different perspectives about the film, I feel like I'm enriched um, with it. And the more I just am, you know, I I can probably count on my hands the number of films that can could stand up mm. to this kind of scrutiny. And I think if you if you call out some of those. Um, you know a couple of uh, cu- a couple of films might come to your head that you think will, can stand up to this they are true masterpieces that can stand up to not a wasted minute sometimes not a wasted second sometimes not a wasted microsecond of a cut of a frame of a freeze frame of a performance it's just and and for all the action in this movie this is one of the stillest minutes yes. especially <laughs> in performance terms because Pacino is as open as as you like, and De Niro is as relaxed and open and calm and receptive to the outside world and It's just so tremendous that there's so rich and there's so much going on in this story and listen it's only it's, it's an hour and twelve minutes in in like a in in we still have an hour and sort of circa thirty eight minutes to go in this <laughs> oh my movie. God. And and so you feel like sometimes you barely scratch the surface because there's so much more that is to come. But I still thoroughly enjoy talking about it.
1: It is, and as we were saying earlier, uh, before we started, uh, it, when they inevitably uh, do like an HBO-style prestige TV adaptation of Heat, which there's got to be a conversation happening somewhere, right? Somewhere, like, right? Uh, if you were looking through like lists of properties, you know, rights that you have access to that could be sort of judged for like a, a, a ten-hour one, you know, ten-hour yeah. season, yeah, adult, uh, sophisticated cable show, like Heat's got to be on that list. Has right? to be, has to be. Um, but we've also discussed how easily that could come off the rails. Yeah, <laughs>
2: completely. Um, but you know, one of the things that I said is that. Uh, and and Trav and I were talking about before is I think the only way that you can really do that is to really take some of the smaller stories that are in this film, yeah, yeah. and expand upon them significantly. It's like Wayne Grove, you know, prison. yeah, what happens, you know, what happened to Wayne Grove? That maybe it's you know trickling in with some of the some of the heinous stuff that Wayne Grove gets up to, uh, getting to know you know the young black prostitute and even her family and her mother who we later see in the film getting to see a little bit more about Justine and and her character, mm. getting maybe a little bit of past of Charlene Shaheilis. We talked about Chris in Vegas. Yeah. Maybe there's a side episode of Chris getting up to mischief in Vegas and and that turning into some gnarly stuff that happens yeah, but, out there. But
1: not messing with the, the central narrative. But the really central narrative the needs universe to, yeah. and, and, and the universe and the Malou and uh, the <laughs> ensemble cast.
2: Yeah, the, the central story, don't touch it. Yeah, bear no. a bit. Don't touch a frame, do it do it as close to the letter as you can <laughs> and and you know if there's any justice in the world folks if there's any justice in the world just like Michael Mann got the opportunity to remake a property he was so heavily involved with in Miami Vice if anyone's going to take it you know he's in his 70s yeah. give the guy his 10 hours to do his pièce de résistance if he, if he really wanted to tackle if he it. wanted to if maybe if he he's wanted- happy with this one maybe he's
1: just he's like he no, should
2: good. be <laughs> thrilled with this like, one nah,
1: i think i got it guys <laughs> I'm all right and, okay. but but,
2: but you know you the, this is us being greedy and yeah, living wanting in wanting more living in 2018 where like i you know i'll sit there and i'll go what does don breeden's partner lillian do for a job yeah <laughs> like what does she do she, you know it's, I, it's
1: important not to fall into that trap which a lot of uh media consumers do is confusing more with better oh okay. absolutely so, you know, the definition of better is not more sometimes you get a really good work and that's it you don't need prequels, sequels, backstories and you just get what you get yeah. you should probably be happy with it
2: yeah I really um, I relish those things that are mm. one and done I don't need the Apocalypse Now prequel Yeah, ever I didn't even need John Wick 2 really <laughs> you're true um, and you know y- there, there are certain and even some things you can uh, blissfully ignore any sequels exist like just watch Jaws yeah and never watch any of the others <laughs> ever
1: again. I, uh, Michael Caine famously said he'd never seen uh, Jaws The Revenge, but he's seen The House It Bought For him <laughs> and it's very nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's the best bless him bless him ladies and gentlemen this has been another One Heat Minute Trav thank you so much for thanks for back. having me man always a blast always a blast Um, you'll be back along this you know I've, I think we can make some time in the next 138 yeah. minutes yeah, to yeah. get
1: you along we can circle back around <laughs> a little more heat
2: dialogue we can do that we can do that um Ladies and gents, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you want to find um, Trav, he's at Celluloid and Whiskey. Or is it's it just c- Celluloid Whiskey. Celluloid Whiskey. Not enough, wo- not enough letters. Not enough letters on, on the Twitter. Twitter. But he is all over filminc.com.au. You will find his reviews. You'll find that celluloidandwhiskey.com. Yep. Um, is his personal site, so you can check him out there. Um, his Facebook page is one of the best places on Facebook. Facebook generally sucks, but if there's a place that you want to find... Party and hilarious and sometimes uh, uh, Travis has to step in as a referee to moderate some conversations (laughs) Jesus Uh, (laughs) yeah my 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 Facebook page is a party come on in come on in Join, join him um guys oneheatminute.com for everything um i'm blake is uh, batman on twitter as you guys would have heard across the series this is your first episode welcome um please go back to our back catalog everything's at oneheatminute.com um and our, our links to our relative um you know, uh, apps to download our podcasts are all there as well um thank you to garth franklin for our website design mr paul davies for our awesome theme song and once again thank you guys for joining us for heat and catch us next episode for more heat
0: around the corner